In the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My very first experience with someone who was profoundly deaf was with a young lady in St. Louis, Missouri. Her name was Carol Fleming. No, not that Carol Fleming, not the famous ice skater from years ago. Rather, a very fine artist and sculptor in ceramics. You can Google her and see the incredible work she does. At age three, when Carol's parents discovered that she was deaf, they chose to send her to the Central Institute for the Deaf in St. Louis instead of Gallaudet in Washington, D.C. Why? Because they believed that the best way for her to learn to communicate was not through sign language, but by reading lips. And might I say she's incredibly good at it, that is, as long as you're speaking directly to her face, face to face. In fact, when I first met Carol, I didn't even realize she was deaf, except for the fact that she did have a rather pronounced speech impediment. Every Sunday in church, this was in St. Louis at St. Michael St. George, where I served for a number of years, Carol would sit directly in front of the pulpit, three pews back, and she would look up in rapt attention at whomever was preaching that day. One Sunday morning, as I was greeting people at the door, she said something to me that I'll never forget. She said, Mr. Christian, I heard and understood every word you said perfectly. Well, she couldn't hear, but her lip reading was so good that she internally heard every word. Well, in today's reading from Mark's Gospel, it's apparent that Jesus would have preferred to go to Gallaudet for its expertise in teaching sign language over and against the Central Institute for the Deaf for its expertise in lip reading, although I'm certain that he would have mastered the other as well. Well, the last line from today's Gospel is clear proof that he had mastered his ability to communicate with the deaf and mute man through sign language. The people who witnessed the miracle he performed that day exclaimed, he has done all things well. Now before we take a close look at today's miracle, I want to, to set the stage for us briefly looking into the background, setting the setting into which this event took place and what leads up to the actual miracle itself. Mark tells us that Jesus is back in the region of the Decapolis. That's a word that comes from two Greek words, deca meaning ten and polis meaning city. These ten pagan or Gentile, that is non-Jewish cities, were within an area that we now refer to as Israel. Three centuries before Christ, Alexander the Great had conquered this region, making everything about these ten cities Greek, including their worship of a multitude of Greek gods. You might recall that Jesus had been there before. One of the readings a few weeks ago was exactly about that, but one certainly would have not expected him to return to that region anytime soon. And why was that? Simply because, just a couple of chapters earlier in Mark's Gospel, we read that the people begged Jesus to depart from that region. More specifically, the land of the Gerasenes. 
because it was there that he had exorcised a man who was possessed with a multitude of demons and sent those demons packing into a herd of swine numbering some 2,000, which then proceeded to stampede over a high cliff and drown in the sea below. You might also just recall the fact that the pigs belonged to some pig herders who were very enraged with Jesus for having done that. That was their, their livelihood, after all. And yet between then and now, when Jesus returned to the Decapolis, the people must have come to the realization that there was something worth far more than 2,000 pigs here, namely the spiritual, the emotional, the psychological, and yes, the physical well-being of one human being, a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. This man was profoundly deaf, and as the actual translation conveys, he could hardly talk. He stammered, and he stuttered, and no one could understand a single word he was saying. Well, many physicians would tell you that the problems related to deafness are far deeper and far more complex than those of blindness. The loss of such a, a vital stimulus as sound, that is, the sound of another human voice that brings language and communication, that stirs our thoughts, and that keeps us in the intellectual company of other people, would make for an acute sense of isolation. Isolation from society and the terrible pain of loneliness that I dare say few, if any of us, could even begin to comprehend. So now let's look at this story itself, the one I just read to you from Mark's Gospel, the story of the healing of this deaf and mute man, and see just what kind of meaning that story has for us and how we can appropriate that message into our own lives. On an obvious level, the story reveals one of the most poignant moments in the healing ministry of Jesus. By privately taking this deaf and mute man aside to minister to him, Jesus shows us yet again his deep sensitivity, his tenderness as a human being and as a healer. Care for this man concerns him just as much as his cure for this man. When the pagan Gentiles of that region brought this man to Jesus and begged him, that's what the text says, they begged him to lay his hand on him, Jesus didn't utter a single word. He simply escorted the man away from the crowd, so unlike all those faith healers you see on television who always seem to know right where the camera is, he took him aside privately, motivated by compassion, and not seeking any kind of notoriety through some kind of flamboyant public display of performing in the mighty works of God, Jesus begins to do several strange things all in a row. And here's where we see the origin of Jesus' impressive sign language skills. His first use of sign language so that the man would know exactly what he was about to do was to place his fingertips in the man's ears. And then he spit into his own fingers and touched the man's tongue 
with his saliva. Which, by the way, was not all that strange of a practice, at least in Jesus' day and time. The Jews actually considered saliva to have special healing and curative powers. Then he looked up to heaven and sighed, just as he had done before he fed the 5,000 in the wilderness, and just as he would do before he raised Lazarus from the dead. This was a compassionate sigh, an empathetic and a sympathetic groan for this man and for others who were like him. A sigh that tells us that Jesus understands all of our weaknesses. For as the letter to the Hebrews says, For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. All of this he did before he even spoke one word. And that was the only word that he would say in that man's presence. The word, Ephatha which is Aramaic for be open, be opened. And so it was. Did you notice this? Jesus didn't quiz the deaf and mute man to determine whether or not he had any kind of faith. And there was no request from the man himself. Jesus, will you heal me? Think about it. None of that was necessary or even possible because the man couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. What was necessary, however, was that Jesus and this man found some way to communicate with one another, and Jesus chose to communicate with him through sign language. By placing his fingers into his ears and by touching his tongue with saliva, Jesus was acting out for the man what he meant to do. The deaf man would have understood that it was Jesus' intention to heal him. He showed the man what he could not tell him, and then he did it. He spoke one word only, a word which coursed through the man like a geyser and cleared out all of his tubes, opening up his once deaf ears and giving him the utterance of speech. His ears were opened and his tongue was released, literally translated, the chain on his tongue was broken. And instantly, the man could hear perfectly and speak plainly, clearly, and articulately. My friends, this is not just a story about the healing of a deaf mute. This is also the story about God's incredible power to open us up, to clean out all of our lives, and to break the chain hold that sin has upon our lives so that forgiveness and new life can flow into us through the hearing of the marvelous good news of God's Word and then to speak it out clearly and plainly and articulately to one another. Whatever our impediments, whatever sin it is that might be holding us back or clinging to us, whatever our disabilities or our weaknesses, physical, emotional, psychological, or even spiritual. We're all candidates for the touch, for the deep sigh of Jesus, and for the one word that He utters that alone can make us well. Just look around you. Poke anyone, 
poke anyone deep enough and you'll discover that all of us have a universal need for deliverance from some kind of oppressive condition in our lives. Be it the powers of temptation to sin, which is there for every one of us, or one of its many offspring, sick and dysfunctional relationships, addictions and compulsions of every sort and variety, some virulent strain of pride or prejudice, or one of the countless inordinate destructive desires or behaviors that defy human correction. Whatever in our lives we need to be completely opened, that is the place where the gospel is just waiting to break in. The saving power of God always goes by or always has a from to a to and a by dimension. From bondage of any sort to a new life of grace by the unconditional love and forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Jesus longs to take us aside and have this this private moment with us like He did with the, the deaf and mute man. And he longs to touch our ears and speak to us these words. My daughter, my son, I love you. I accept you. Flaws and all. Faults, bad choices, mistakes and all. Your sins are forgiven. And I pronounce that you have been set free. Redeemed by the precious blood that I poured out for you on Calvary's cross. Well, that's what he longs to tell us, my friends. I just love that old spiritual which we sang every Sunday when I was down at the Star Gospel Mission as its director for many years. And I promised my wife I wouldn't sing it today, but I will tell you the words. The the words of the spiritual are, Jesus is my doctor. He knows all my diseases. He writes all my prescriptions. He heals all my diseases. He gives me all my medicine in the prayer room. What a powerful song that is. You see, Jesus is able to look right into us. And He's able to look right through our lives and clean up and clear out all the messes which which for the most part we've created all by our own doing and to loose the chains of whatever impediment it is that holds us back and keeps us in isolation, separated from Him and often separated from one another. Whoever you are, and in whatever way you think you might be locked out or closed off from God, please be assured of this. Jesus can come to you and in His tenderness and in His empathy, He can touch you and proclaim the one word that you and I need to hear the most. Ephatha. Ephatha. Be opened. And openness ensues. And we are released from all that which has bound us up and held us captive for so long. Now the most peculiar part of this story, I have to admit, at least for me, is the ending. After Jesus had accomplished this spectacular cure and everyone around him was astounded beyond belief, 
Because this man that he cured had had so much trouble making himself understood to others with people constantly gesturing to him, constantly yelling at the top of their lungs just to get his attention, just to get through to him. There he is now answering questions and speaking in a a perfectly normal voice, no impediment, no stammering whatsoever, and no doubt telling people who were shouting at him, and grinning from ear to ear, saying to them, I can hear you just fine. You don't have to yell at me anymore. Now here's what really puzzles me though. What does Jesus say to all of them before he calls it a day? And he charged them to tell no one. Tell no one. But that's exactly what they're all dying to do, especially the man who just found his voice. For the first time in life, someone can ask him, how's your day going? And he can tell that person, well, just fantastic. I'm having the best day of my life. Only problem is, Jesus has forbidden him to tell anyone. Jesus didn't say why, but he must have had a pretty good reason. Everyone was trying to figure out just who Jesus was. And everything that he did became a piece, a piece in a puzzle. The feeding of the 5,000 was one piece. The walking on water was another. The casting out of the legion of demons was another. Healing the Syrophoenician woman was yet another. And then this healing of the deaf and mute man. They were all pieces of a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. Only problem was, the people were all too eager to finish the puzzle. You can't blame them, really. However, and here's the clincher, they didn't have the few remaining pieces that connected all the rest. And without them, that is, until he gave them those final pieces, there would still be a rather sizable hole right in the middle of the puzzle. And they wouldn't have the full picture. And just what were those pieces? They were the pieces that included the betrayal, the trial, the lashes of the whip, the crown of thorns, the cross, the nails, the thrusting of the spear into his side, his agonizing death, and then the shroud, his burial in a rich man's tomb, his descent into hell itself proclaiming his victorious defeat over sin, death, and the power of the devil, and then his empty grave, which meant life, new life, resurrection life, for him and for us and for all who believe in his all-atoning sacrifice. Until they had those remaining critical pieces, they would not have the whole picture. And the puzzle would not be complete. And Jesus knew it. He knew it. So he ordered them to tell no one. And what did they do? They completely ignored him. The more he, look at the text, the more he charged them to remain silently, the more zealously they proclaimed it. He may have been able to still the storm on the Sea of Galilee, but he could not stop people's tongues from proclaiming what he had done. 
The formerly deaf and mute man could not contain himself either. His rejoicing and excitement burst forth in him like old faithful. His newfound speech was warming the hearts and transforming the lives of of the pagan Gentiles all over this region of the Decapolis. In Jesus' presence, the people who witnessed this miracle found their own tongues, and they too were set free, just as we are set free. Because, you see, we do have all the pieces. We have all the pieces. We have the whole picture. For us, the puzzle is complete. The only thing that's changed is Jesus has not ordered us to keep silent. Our ears have been unstopped and our tongues have been unchained, unloosed, set free by the power of the Spirit of the risen Christ dwelling within us. The Spirit opens our ears to hear the words of the Gospel and opens our mouths to proclaim what we have seen and heard. St. Paul said, we cannot help but speak of the things that we have seen and heard. And I would add to that, experienced how the love of God has worked in each of our lives. Oh, but not everyone can hear us, can they? And not everyone will want to hear us. Some may have very good reasons, in fact, to tune us out. They may know us too well and say that our life is a contradiction to what we speak or our faith. Ah, but the hidden bonus to this story, you know what it is, don't you? Andrea, you know because you heard it in the first service. The hidden bonus is this. Sign language. Sign language. In a world that has grown hard of hearing, we can either verbally proclaim what we have to say or we can act it out. We can live it, that is, we can show it as well as tell it. We can place our hands into other people's hands to feed, to clothe, to soothe, to embrace, to lift up, to comfort, to support to empathize with, and to bless. Until they figure out for themselves what we want them to know. That the love of God is real. It's real. And it's there for them to experience for themselves. We can be the conduit through which they will receive the good news. One way or another, we all have a ministry of sign language, Jesus style. In God's hands, our lives are letters. Letters that form words. Words that create sentences. Sentences that spell out the good news of God's love so that the whole world may be ephetha, may be opened open to the redeeming love of God in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear God, open our mouths, open our ears to hear the great good news of your love, 
your kindness, your mercy, your forgiveness upon each and every one of us. Then help us to articulate clearly and distinctively that good news to others all around us, whether we use words or not. And if we do not use words, the words that your Spirit will give us, then enable us to use sign language, to use our deeds, to use our actions, to transform their lives, to change them into the people that you want them to become. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.